0: Preface, Introduction, and Translator's Poem From Gems of Chinese Verse Poems by various authors Translated by W. J. B. Fletcher This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. If you would like more information or would like to volunteer, please see LibriVox.org Preface What Keats said to Chapman did for Homer, is what Fletcher has done for the poetic realm of old Cathay. There is a freshness and a surprise in these lyric gems. They have been read with keen joy. Having finished, then felt I like some watcher of the skies when a new planet swims into his ken. I am no sinologue and cannot vouch for the accuracy of the translations. But I know this is true poetry. So well has the work been done that I am sure thousands of readers of the Occident as well as of the Orient will rejoice with me over the production of this book of verse, and there will be calls for more from the author, H. L. Hargrove, Ph.D. from Yale, Kai Feng. April 1st, 1918. Introduction. It is not without diffidence that I bring before the public this little collection of verses. A translation can never equal the original, any closer than paste can imitate the real gem. And this is particularly true of poetry, wherein the cream and essence of a language finds its highest and most ethereal expression. The flower we can draw to its coloring art can approach, but who can delineate its scent and thus it is with these translations i have usually followed closely the original forms of the poem frequently keeping their meter but fear that i have lost much of their nuances and fragile delicacy but indeed the subject is a difficult one and i shall be repaid for the labor if the average foreign resident in china can glean from my sifting some further insight into the heart in feelings of the chinese if chinese feel that their masterpieces even in copies find interest among their neighbors from far countries sympathy is the bond of human union the following translations are all from the chinese poetry of the tang dynasty 618 to 905 a.d and it is not a little creditable to chinese civilization that such refinement of thought should be current at a period when the ancestors of europe were overrun by german barbarians and the scotch had perhaps hardly abandoned cannibalism the poems are essentially sketches of nature written by true lovers of china's grand scenery amid ruins of famous dynasties and the memories of immortal beauties A strain of Buddhist mysticism adds in places its longing for the unseen, the unseeable. One finds in them the sun, the moon, the stars, and the wind on the heath, brother. There is no clatter, noise, steam, or hurry. The authors float in sailing sandpans, noiseless save for the rippling beneath the prow. Through scenes peaceful and calm... THE WHITE CLOUDS POURING LIKE ICING DOWN THE MOUNTAIN SIDES, THE GULLS AND HERONS GLIDING WHITE AGAINST THE SKY, THE LOW BOOM OF A TEMPLE GONG IN SOME TREE-HIDDEN GLEN, THE QUIET LABORS IN THE PLAINS BELOW, THE VILLAGE SMOKE CURLING UPWARD, in THE TEMPLE OF NATURE AS PLACIDLY AS INCENSE SPIRALS ABOUT SOME BUDDHA'S KNEES, ALL COMBINE HERE TO FORM CHINA'S GREAT IDEAL, GREAT CHARM. PEACE. The very poems on the subject of war dwell only on its disgust. There is no girding up of the loins to slay, no enthusiasm for destruction, no great greed for wealth or possessions, no social distinctions of caste. There is just human life portrayed in terms of nature. For in the Chinese language there are practically no abstract nouns, and for such the Chinese has borrowed terms from his one great master, nature. This love is typified by spring with its wealth of bursting flowers and sweet stirrings of the sap, old age growing upon us by autumn with its falling leaves and sere complexion. Such allegories I have marked with capital letters, that the reader's eye may catch them the sooner. Let him, if he can, imitating the poets of old, float quietly down the broad waters of the Yangtze, through the scenery of the Min, or over the rapids of the Cassia River, let him in some lone temple see the moon rise over the tree-fringed hills. Let him, like Manfred, seek the iris of the waterfall, or dream amid the relics of some fallen town. Then he will know the value of the Tang poetry. There will he find peace. To Li Po and Tu Fu li po and tu fu pardon that i come lone nature's pilgrim from a foreign shore with you across the misty hills to roam and see the dragons carry you once more to peaks aflame with sunset to adore in nature's shrine as ye were wont of yore to see the iris ride the torrent's foam and ruins where high mansions stood before the moonbeams glinting on the broken dome While some shrill flute the fallen times deplore, Forgive the humble heart and feeble thought, The faltering fingers that the echo wrought Of your sweet woodland lore. W. J. B. Fletcher, Fu Chow, 1917 End of Preface, Introduction, and Translator's Poem